This is the EWN Podcast Network. Welcome to Late Boomers, our podcast guide to creating your third act with style, power, and impact. Hi, I'm Kathy Worthington. And I'm Mary Elkins. Join us as we bring you conversations with successful entrepreneurs, entertainers, and people with vision who are making a difference in the world. Everyone has a story, and we'll take you along for the ride on each interview, recounting the journey our guests have taken to get where they are, inspiring you to create your own path to success. Let's get started. I'm Kathy Worthington. Welcome to our new episode of Late Boomers. Today, in another look at the world of health and wellness, we are excited to have as our guest, Linda Gabriel, author, holistic coach, and expert in intuitive energy work, kinesiology, NLP, or neural linguistic programming, and EFT, the emotional freedom technique. And I'm Mary Elkins. Linda is also a certified clinical hypnotherapist and noted for her work in past life and between life hypnotherapy. Welcome, Linda. Hi, Mary and Kathy. How are you today? I'm so happy to have you here. And Linda, we want to circle back and talk about your work. But first, would you tell us about your early life and what inspired you to follow this career path? Well, I have a kind of a family of hypnotherapists. My mother became a hypnotherapist in, I would say that like the um, early 90s. And that was my first understanding about the power of this kind of work to help people change subconscious beliefs and improve their lives. And then I became interested myself a little bit later and took a course I was living in Hawaii at the time, and it was a 30-day course, and I learned about not just working with people to change habits like biting your nails or stop smoking, but how to do some more investigative work where we work with the subconscious to find out about inner resources like spiritual guides or things like past life regression, and I got interested in that kind of work, and so... Did you go to school for that? No, I went to, but I went to a training. It was, it was um, I can't even remember how many hours. A lot of people go to only like a three-day training to be certified as a hypnotherapist. Wow. This was a 30-day training. And then I went on to become certified as a life between lives hypnotherapist because I read Michael Newton's book, Journey of Souls. And I felt really called to do this work, which is sort of like a past life, except you go through the death and continue on. And so people experience what it's like to leave the body and to go to that in-between space where we are in between lifetimes. This isn't everyone's belief system, but it's interesting that people report very similar experiences, not unlike the the things people report from a near-death experience, only in this case, you don't have to go through a physical trauma. So that really got me interested and I started doing that uh, a lot, a lot of those sessions, which has been really fascinating. But recently, I've, I've returned more to doing the, the I, I enjoy doing both. I enjoy those kind of spiritual explorations. And I like helping people change and shift um, the uh, unwanted subconscious patterns that are holding them back. 
And that's a, another way that hypnosis is really helpful. That's so fascinating. Yeah. And, and I, we'd really like to go into that further. But first, because you're trained in so many techniques, can you talk about uh, the uh, techniques that uh, you men we mentioned in the introduction, such as kinesiology, NLP, mm -hmm. EFT? Um, yeah. And, and additionally, you need other types of training for that. Is that right? That's right. So there's many hours of training in my background. Um, the things that I'm using the most now, uh, kinesiology, let me just say I really love, but it involves muscle testing and, and personal contact. As we know, COVID has meant that we're not doing those kinds of close contact um, behaviors or, you know, or activities now. So I've been working a lot on Zoom, and one of the things I can do on Zoom that's been really helpful is EFT, which is emotional freedom technique. That involves tapping certain points on the body that the person does for themselves, and it can clear like any negative emotion very quickly. Such as? Such as anxiety. It's incredible for anxiety. So a lot of people have performance anxiety. It doesn't, you don't have to be a, an entertainment for, for to have performance anxiety. People have it if they're giving a talk or teaching a class or giving a, giving a presentation or even if they're going to be, uh, maybe they're an athlete and they have a, you know, a, a game or a, an event. And so they have a, a response to that that's called anxiety. And um, it is the, the premise of emotional freedom technique is that the cause of all human or negative emotions is a disturbance in the human energy field. So it's not based on psychology or even physiology or neurology. It's based on the meridian system that we know of from Chinese medicine. And mm -hmm. so you tap these really powerful points on your body while you're thinking about the thing that's uh, bothering you. And we kind of do a subjective, like on a scale of one to 10, how anxious are you? And it isn't uncommon for someone to be at a seven or an eight or even a 10. And after we tap on these points, it takes maybe a minute, a minute and a half. When we check back, they'll say, oh, is that a three? You know, it's come down considerably. And so what I find is the combination of tapping and hypnosis is extremely powerful because the tapping gives the person, uh, well, one of my clients called it, it's like having a Xanax in your pocket. Like <laughs> right before you're going to go on stage, you can tap. So that right in that moment, you don't have 30 minutes to listen to a hypnosis recording, but in that moment, if your anxiety is running you a little bit too much, then you can tap for yourself. It's a self-administered self technique. And then, but it, it helps sometimes to have a therapist take you through the a session so that you can find out. Sometimes we take one emotion away and underneath is something else. So it's good to have someone kind of monitor that and say, well, now that your anxiety is clearer, I noticed that there are tears coming up. What is the emotion that you're having now? I said, well, I'm actually sad. They're great. And we, we work on that. And then the hypnosis is something that people will use over time to actually reprogram the beliefs and the, um, mostly they're just core beliefs that people have that are not really helping them. So that's the combination. Those are the two things I'm using the most now. Uh, and, uh, and NLP is called Neuro Linguistic Programming. That is just a way of using language, the, our self-talk and ways that we record things and hold them in our neurology and finding new ways to do that. 
So love that. Yeah. Yeah, I do too. I can think of yeah. so many things to use all of this for and people that yeah. I know. Yeah. That need it and I need it and everybody I needs need it. it. Yeah. <laughs> I can give you a, I can give you a really tiny example of uh, a neurolinguistic technique that anyone can use. I mean, how many of us have something that we feel like, oh, I have to do something. Like I have to give that talk tomorrow, right? I have to give that presentation. And if you just change that word have to get get to i get to i get to even something like i get to pay my taxes because if you think about it you probably don't have to pay taxes unless you've had some sort of income i mean that's a big a little bit of a stretch but you start to feel a different feeling when you use the word get because it, like, i get yeah. to go to disneyland right yeah <laughs> i get yeah. to go have I an have ice cream cone disneyland. yeah i get to have an ice cream it's like i get to do the dishes you know i get to, to give that talk tomorrow and it lands in your neurology in a different way with a different vibration when you use that word or even the voice you say inside your head if you made it a nice sweet voice like wouldn't you like to have a nice organized desk instead of you've got to clean up your desk, like clean up your desk. You know? mm, I need that one. That applies to wouldn't me. It, wouldn't it be nice? But you change it to, oh, wouldn't, wouldn't you nice? love to have a clean desk? Yeah. And that's yeah. the voice in your head instead of that kind of inner critic that usually runs the show. So that's a very, very mild form of NLP that can anyone can use. It's Some, a treat. It's You're a, giving yes. yourself a treat. Yeah. Now, when really a client contacts you, how yeah. do you determine which technique is going to That's benefit a their needs? Question. First of all, people will contact me specifically for past life regression or life between lives regression. However, I don't ever tell people, oh, this is what you need, like a past life or a life between lives session. I don't see that. I think these are things for people to explore if they're called to it as to understand themselves, to understand themselves on a soul level, to, to maybe focus in on what their soul purpose is. If people, and those are where we're dialoguing. I put the person into a light trance and we, I ask them questions and they tell me about what they're experiencing as we go back to a past life or, the, or go through the death and into the, in the place we go in between lifetimes. And there's a lot of really interesting things that people can ask and learn about there like who's in your soul group or who is your spiritual guide. And if you had a conversation with your guide, what would you ask? What questions would you ask? And then we often, you know, we get the answers, at least answers. Sometimes they're answers you don't want, but at least you got your answer. So, oh. so that's one kind of work that I do. And, and other people call me because they have a problem. They maybe even have been in therapy for six or seven years and they know all the reasons why they're not looking for, Un, uh, um, unconscious information they just they know what's wrong and they can't change they can't shift out of the old behavior pattern in those cases i will if there's an emotional component like uh, sadness anxiety or um, even jealousy things like that any kind of upset i'll use eft and then we'll do hypnosis We'll work together to create new messages in the subconscious to help shift the pattern. Some of this is for things as simple as phobias or nail biting. Um, but most of the time, it's just basic messages that you want to give yourself instead of all of the negative affirmations that we give ourselves. Yeah, I, I think we could all use that. 
And we do want to delve into uh, hypnotherapy and past life uh, therapy uh, later. But um, I know that you've lived in a number of different places and traveled widely. Can you tell us a little about these places and how they've affected your work? Well, that'd probably be a whole other podcast. <laughs> no, I'll have to do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I grew up in Arizona and then around the... Um, I was in the sixth grade, so I don't know, I was, you know, nine or 10 years old and came, I was a little bit ahead of myself in school. So moved to California and went to UCLA and moved at around, I guess it was, I was just before my second son was born. So in 1980, we moved to Kona, Hawaii, and I lived there for almost 20 years. And there I really became, from, that's where I learned educational kinesiology. It, the Hawaiian islands are like a hotbed of body work and spiritual um, traditions. And a, a lot of things come either originate there or come through there. I think because a lot of teachers want to have a Hawaiian vacation and write it off. So they do classes. <laughs> So the whole world from all over the world people from new zealand and japan not just from the u.s so i had and i, I went to a, a fantastic school called the hawaiian island school of body therapies and i decided to become a massage therapist <clears throat> but the, the the training there was a very wonderful combination of of uh intuitive work but also the woman who founded the school her name is lynn wind she was really adamant that we know our anatomy and physiology and learn medical massage. So we were working with both like doctors and people who were rehabbing from accidents, as well as working with people on a more emotional level, you know, for, for body work. And through that school, I learned cranial sacral, uh, some polarity, shiatsu, and, and eventually the educational kinesiology, and actually the hypnosis training came through that school as well and so i started Quite a I, school it was an amazing yeah. amazing school what is the name of the school again it's hawaiian island body, school of body therapies but it's no longer uh, it's oh. she's retired but oh. i feel grateful for the people i met there and that experience was really life-changing so d during that time i began to understand that i had a kind of uh ability to work with the human energy field. Up, up until that time, I thought that things like chakras and meridians were um, kind of systems that the intellect had created, that they were like astrology, like symbolic rather than literally real. So it was kind of surprising when I found out that they actually are real and I could palpate them, I could feel them, I could feel my own chakras, I could feel other people's chakras and then I could affect changes by having my hands over a person's body and not necessarily touching them. <laughs> so, mm. uh, so I, and, and then I learned cranial sacral therapy, which is a very light touch technique that can be extremely helpful for people. Again, um, I, well, I stopped doing uh, those, those hands-on techniques quite a while ago once I started um, really devoting a lot of my time to doing past life and life between lives hypnotherapy. Um, I, I usually have a few people that I do body work with and just to keep my hands in it, literally. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I find that uh, I just, it, it, you know, it, that was for several years. And then I started moving into doing this other work that works on another level with people. 
also, and, and by the way, can be the source of some of the physiological things that people have. So EFT is something that's meant for, it's called emotional freedom technique. However, you'd be shocked how many physical things can be resolved by releasing the emotion that's being held in the body there. And this is not a big process. So it's, uh, it's not like we're going through a, a big catharsis. It's, uh, let's, I, somebody had a, 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 a pain in her, she, she had a, a, her sacrum was stuck and she had a, a, an appointment to go to the chiropractor the next day. So we were tapping for emotional reasons. And just before the session ended, I said, how's that pain in your sacrum doing? And she said, you know, it's been bothering me, been kind of throbbing during the whole time we're working. And I said, let's try EFT on it. Let's just see. So you tap different points like the top of your head or the inner eyebrow. And I said, even, you know, this, let's tap on this, this pain in my sacrum, this. And then I threw in this emotion I'm holding in my sacrum, this pain in my sacrum, the emotion. We don't even know what it is. This emotion I'm holding in my sacrum. And she was at like on a scale of one to 10, she was at a seven when we started. And when we were finished, it was gone. She said, that's weird. She said, it's just gone. <laughs> are, there oh, that, are there places you, you can, that we could tap uh, to say if you have a back problem or a knee problem or something? Yes, I, this is, that, that's a great question, Mary, because you know, based on, since it's based on the principles of acupuncture, at, at first they were doing all of these point recipes, point combinations for different, you're matching the point combination to the symptom. I've got a couple of books that are really big that have all those point combinations. Somewhere in the uh, early 90s, somebody, I, I can't remember the first fellow who did this, they started realizing that there were certain points that would be a one size fix all. They call it an algorithm. You know, it's not really a mathematical thing, but you tap these points, these particular points, they're very simple. That's the one on the top of your head, the inner eyebrow, side of the eye, under the eye, under the nose, that little hollow in your chin. There's a point under the collarbone, one under your arms. And then we tap the top of the head again. And that's, those are all the body points. There are a few other variations, but that's the basic thing. And it takes literally 60 seconds to do. And you say some words with it, but if you just tap those points, you're going to feel better. You're going to feel a, a lift in your energy. You want to try. And where it? can someone find the order of that and those places that you just mentioned? Because they kind of went by real fast. If they wanted to, yeah, there. Um, I should probably put something on my website that has these, but they're they're all over the internet. If you just Google tapping EFT tapping, tapping points, there are many yeah. uh, of these charts with some slight right. variations, but they are extremely helpful to what I consider putting all the circuit breakers back to neutral so that you're back and in, in a place that's really uh, like it, 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 at your best. So when I have clients now, I ask them to tap every morning and every night, even without words, because there are words you say along with it, Kathy. So there's, um, uh, a little bit more to it than just tapping the points. But if you just tap those points, you're going to, it's sort of like you feel a lift, you feel better. Hmm. So, uh, so that's really, really helpful. Wow. And can you tell us about hypnotherapy and how it works and how the subconscious mind works and how yeah. hypnotherapy can help people? This is one of my favorite subjects because we're all walking around completely identified with our conscious mind and think that it's the thing that's in control. But I think it was Carl Jung who said, 
in a battle between the conscious mind and the subconscious mind, the subconscious always wins. <laughs> and we probably know this. Like you get up in the morning and decide you're going to only eat healthy all day. And by lunch, you've had three donuts, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so true. <laughs> your subconscious has another plan, <laughs> has another agenda. Now, we're laughing about it, but the sad part is, is that people begin to think that their subconscious is a saboteur that's trying to, to create obstacles for them. It does create obstacles, but not because it's, it wants to. If you think about your subconscious as being a really smart eight-year-old trying to do what you want it to do, only it learned some things when you were a little kid and it's afraid to let go of those solutions to a problem. That's where I think a lot of the fear of public speaking comes from because you had to give an oral report in the second grade and somebody laughed or you wet your pants or something and you just got mortified. And now anything that reminds you of talking in public, your subconscious says, no, no, no. You might like burst into tears or you just you, you have an anxiety attack because your subconscious is saying, we've got to keep you away from that experience that happened when you were, you know, it's, it's a little bit frozen in time. So what a hypnotherapist does is say a lot of words that kind of bore the, sub, the conscious mind into relaxing, maybe even falling asleep while the subconscious is paying attention. And we speak directly to it and say, literally sometimes, but actually figuratively, I know you really want to do a good job and what you've been doing is great, but here are some new instructions so you can actually help me to be my best now. And so it might be Whenever you're going to talk in front of a group, you take a breath, you think of something pleasant, you let the breath out and you relax and do your best. And that's the new instruction. Now, we can give ourselves that instruction from our conscious mind. We call that willpower. It takes a lot of energy. It doesn't work very well or it works temporarily. But when we talk to the subconscious, the subconscious wants to change and learn and grow and do a better job. And then it then the subconscious changes and your outer experience becomes more automatic and easy. The changes come much more automatically and easily. And mm. I've, I've developed a theory about why I think this works, if you're interested. Yes. yes. Okay. It turns out, and I would really like to lay my hands on this research because I remember reading about it. <coughs> Excuse me. I remember reading about it in either like Time or Newsweek, a magazine like that. And on the cover was, was a really striking picture. It was an infant with uh, EEG uh, things all over its head. And the article, the main article of that, of that magazine was about looking at what normal brains are, development is. Nobody would really looked at it before. We've only known that the human brain was electrical for about 100 years. And it, wasn't, it was a long time before they realized that there were different brain waves. And they call them, you've probably heard of alpha waves, right? Uh -huh. Uh -huh. There's also beta waves. And there are um, other waves that have, you know, those kinds of Greek names, only because like the alpha wave is the first wave that they noticed. We don't have only one wave in our brain, but that would become the predominant uh, wave at certain points. And sometime along the way, people noticed that the certain brain waves correlated to different states of consciousness. So when we're in our beta state, when our brain is firing a lot of beta waves, that's when we're balancing our checkbook, focusing on studying facts, 
the kind of alert conscious mind that we can, we think about it being wake alert aware, right? Oh. Now, when you're falling asleep in front of the TV, your brain is slowing down. These actually have Hertz. I think that the alpha is between seven and 15 Hertz and beta is 15 and, and 15 to 20. And then alpha waves are when we're falling asleep in that daydreamy, it's called a hypnagogic state, which is interesting where people have imagery and maybe starting to have a dream or a daydream. And then the brain slows down as you're going to sleep and goes even slower into theta waves. And then finally into delta waves, which are really deep, only like four hertz per, per second. It's a very slow amplitude. It's a, and the brain doesn't appear to have any imagery. It's a really deep state of sleep which by the way, is really important for a good night's rest. That if you don't get into that state, at least it's not for very long, it's maybe 10 or 15 minutes of your sleep cycle. Uh, if you start to not feel, you start feeling a little crazy if you don't get your Delta sleep in. Hmm. But back to hypnosis, alpha and theta are, well, alpha, it turns out that babies from the age of like infants to about age seven, the predominant brainwave in their brains is theta. And between seven and 14, those kids have a lot of alpha time. And so, you know, and beta is what you need in order to learn um, algebra, for example, abstract thinking. And so some kids just aren't ready, you know, they can't go into beta easy enough and they might get mislabeled as having hyper, being hyperactive or ADHD. Mm -hmm because their brains just haven't matured enough, they aren't spending enough time in beta to hold on to those abstract concepts, right? So when you're in, in theta and alpha, guess what? Your brain is very suggestible. So most of the patterns that we have in, in, in our subconscious were laid down between ages of one and 14. Uh -huh. And so there's basically a bunch of kids running the show. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> if you think about well, yeah, that's true. Strong. It makes sense, but right? it's so it's so sad. We need to grow up, right? Well, it, the thing is, is that it's that we're talking about the wounded children who are running the show, right? Mm -hmm. It's like the we also have inner magical children who are creative and fun, and and are spontaneous and. But that child gets pushed aside to protect you from the scary things and to keep you safe. It gives you a lot of fear messages, right? Yeah. Or self-soothing messages like eat something sweet or pull, pull on your hair or bite your fingernails, you know. And there uh. are some physiological components to these, but a lot of it is coming from the stress that comes from the fear factors that you took on as a kid when you really couldn't fend for yourself. And, you ha and things like, you know, for women a lot, bursting into tears has helped them escape an uncomfortable situation when you were a child. With <laughs> boys, not so much because they were shamed for, for crying. So that's not where they go. <laughs> They've been, they get approved of getting angry. So we get trapped in these emotional responses to, the, to all kinds of things where it feels really inappropriate. Mm. It's not only along gender lines, but in our culture, men are more, have more permission to be angry, women more permission to be sad is you know and that but those are both traps like if your only response to to a challenge is 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 tears or anger you're not going to be a very effective human being you're certainly not going to fulfill your potential so uh, when you're working with that how does yeah. the hypnotherapy actually help the people because when we are 
put in a hypnotic trance, which is basically getting somebody to get kind of sleepy by talking in a boring way with a slow droning voice and telling them a little story, they slip into alpha and maybe even theta. And while they're in alpha and theta, we're talking directly to the subconscious mind and we're giving it new instructions. Hmm. So that we're talking to the, to the 14 year old and giving it like, you can do this differently. Did you know that? You can do it this way. You can be amused about that thing that used to piss you off. Next time somebody cuts you off in traffic, you're going to laugh because that's a choice. Mm-hmm. That's a big <laughs> right? choice. Yeah. Right? But it is, if you try to do it from your conscious mind, like I'm supposed to laugh the next time it doesn't happen. But when, when we get the subconscious on board, the laugh just happens automatically. I see that 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 works and I wanted to also ask you my theory that's my working theory I once went to a hypnotherapist and paid good money to be there and desperately wanted what I was going there for which was to overcome some fears that Mm -hmm. I had because I ride a horse and there was I always have a lot of fear associated with it and even though I paid to be there and I wanted to be there and I went to multiple sessions there I never could go under I never got any help from this person so what is going on with your mind when you can't be hypnotized well first of all question I have never run into anyone who cannot be hypnotized okay yeah they are definitely thinking it's going to be a lot different than it, the subjective experiences. But the measure of what was going on with you is what your results were. My so results were nil. Did, yes. And here's the reason that I like EFT. I, would even, I wouldn't start with the hypnosis until we did tapping on your fear. Mm-hmm. We would tap mm-hmm. on your anxiety about, with horses. I've actually worked with someone like this who is... She's an equestrian, but she's it's somewhere along the way she got a, a fear. It just was, it just happened, mm-hmm. and it was like it was even her business. And so I would we, say it, more than half of yeah. people who ride are deeply fearful, because we know yeah. what they can. We know what can happen. Do you need? I, I know a little bit about horses, and I they should be treated with respect, and it's a little bit of. Yeah, I'm not going to say the word fear. You shouldn't ever be too relaxed around an animal that size. Mm-hmm. And it really does help to understand how their minds work as prey animals and what they're aware of and the kinds of things that can get, put them in a position where they feel they have to be defending themselves or saving themselves. Oh, definitely. And I yeah, think there's a lot that we could talk about. I love to talk about the, the, the way oh. the horses are. Yeah. But, um, but it is, they also can read your fear, right? Because they're prey animals, they're exquisitely alert to the energy of, they can tell the difference between a mountain lion with a full belly and one that's hungry. You know, when oh, you're, yeah. walking, you're riding in the hills, they know what everything is. Where you watch their ears, they're going almost 360 yeah. degrees, they're listening. So, and then there's the whole thing in, in the herd with the mares and the dominant mares and which one, you know, they all know, you'll watch everybody parts when one of the and it's not necessarily the prettiest horse or the biggest horse but it's the one that every uh, everyone else in the in the herd pays attention to so yeah so the all animals are very intuitive they're incredibly sensitive to energy Mm -hmm. very much yeah i took a class where we had to actually get horses to do things without touching them or making a noise like you had to walk around the paddock and get the horse to be interested enough to follow you that's a very interesting 
um, without a lead. The horse has not, not a bridle or anything. Mm-hmm. When you walk around that paddock, why should I follow you? Mm-hmm. You have to give the horse the information that you are trustworthy and will keep them safe. That mm-hmm. you're worthy of being followed. You have to be the dominant mare, so to mm-hmm. speak. In, so, in a way, you're yeah. In a way, you're hypnotizing the horse. Well, I don't know if that would be a fair thing to say because I think that they're almost always in that kind of hypnotized state. You know, like they're kind of. It's, people think that when you're in trance that you're less aware. You're actually more aware of things. That's something. I want to just finish with Kathy's question before I go on to another subject and just say this. First of all, the, when I work with people, I record the session and I have them listen to it over and over again. They don't have to come to me over and over again mm. unless we're working on something, a different subject, right? <laughs> I know a lot of hypnotherapists don't do that because they're worried about the money. But, you know, my sister, my mother and I are all hypnotherapists. We all record the session and we're all making a living while all these other people who only will let you come to them to be hypnotized have gone by the wayside. So I'm just saying, <laughs> why? Because it's effective. Because the subconscious mind loves repetition. The conscious mind doesn't like it so much. Subconscious loves it. Think <laughs> about kids, little kids. They want to have the same story read over and over and over again. So you listen to that recording with all these positive statements that are counteracting statements that you've had in your brain for 15 years or more, you know, like, there's affirmations can be either positive or negative and people don't challenge the negative ones. They'll say, Oh, a positive affirmation. That's just lying to yourself. It's like, no saying that you're not enough. That's a lie too. Or that you're, that you don't deserve something, you know, we're comfortable with those. So, so this is a part of where the reprogramming happens. And so if I were working with you and you didn't have results, then we would change the script and, you know, and see, well, what is it exactly? about well you probably do you still have this issue (laughs) yes yes i do i would love to work with you yeah because the tapping would be the fastest route to that i would love to try that yeah and and i think as would i okay when you're doing something regularly like writing then tapping is really great because each time you do it you're giving your subconscious a new experience of not being as afraid right Right. And that becomes the norm instead of the exception. So it's and really I love that helpful. system because you always have you so with you. you. You're there. I, you know, I talked a little while about, you know, sole purpose and, and I, people want to know what it is. And they think that it's a job description or that it's like I have to go open an orphanage in India or something. You know, like it's that the sole purpose is really an energy that you carry and a kind of essence of what you do. And for me, part of my soul path and purpose is I'm really excited about teaching people how to connect with their own inner guidance and how to help themselves rather than me being the source of it. I teach people how I teach you how to fish. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah. And so it's so important. Um, yeah. And so that's what I love about EFT. Yes. If you do a session with someone like me who can hold space for you to go really deep and uncover different layers that could be around a certain, especially trauma. There's so much that we can clean up there. That's a lot easier someone walking you through the session, but for just day in and day out stuff to do your own tapping. It's so great. Linda, if someone comes, if someone comes to you and, and doesn't have, like Kathy says, she had a fear of writing. Yeah. Um, 
And if someone comes to you and, and says, I don't know what's going on, but I need help, yeah. how do you determine how to help them? Well, I will say that um, it depends on what the thing is that they're wanting to do that they can't do. Like there's always some way in to this, to the, what's going on. Um, but I will tell you the anxiety is underneath a lot of things. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's, it's underneath procrastination. It's underneath um, not being able to enjoy things completely. There's a lot of, a lot of our, our, our nervous system is getting tied up in, in anxiety. And for sure, there's so much anxiety around the pandemic. Yeah. And there's, oh, yeah. There's a lot. Yeah, right. So many and, people. And then you get accustomed to it and you think, I don't know what's wrong with me, but I'm, I'm stuck or I don't, I'm not doing what I should be doing or what I could be doing. And when you really push a little bit, you say, it's because when I think about doing that, I, you know, even if we don't know what it is uh, exactly, Mary, almost that there's only one way that we know we have an emotion. Do you know what that is? Think about it. You feel it in your body. Mm-hmm. We think of emotions as something up here in our heads, but it's actually a physiological experience and not always the same for everybody. Some people feel anxiety in their belly. Some people feel it in their heart and it's like a heart is racing. Some people's hands sweat or they have a tightness in their throat. Yeah. And so we can tap on that without necessarily knowing what the actual emotion is. It's like, it, I have this, we tap like on the sensation in my throat or this tightness in my chest or this racing heart or these racing thoughts. All of these things can diminish rapidly. Hmm. And sometimes from 60 to zero in one time, more often we have to do it on a more, you know, like we could tap once Kathy and the fear of horsing, of riding would, would be gone for good. That happens. We call them one minute wonders. Wow. More often, we, we, <laughs> I doubt it, but yeah. I'd love to try. I'd love to try it. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I I've never tried to, tapping. Yeah, I it's it's just, it's really remarkable. I need it for my husband for his back pain too. Oh my yeah. gosh, yeah. But that's okay. another whole subject. <laughs> yes, but I'm going to suggest something, and if people are listening to this, if you want to really make a difference with back pain, it's chronic, right? He's it's yeah, oh, a long time. excruciating chronic. Yeah, there's a book called Heal Your Back Pain, I think, by Sarnoff. Uh-huh. Um, he he's a an um, orthopedic surgeon. Uh-huh. But you have when you go to see him, he died a few years ago. But um, you have to go listen to him talk for a couple of hours, and he talks about how you're holding emotional issues in your body. Mm. And uh, he is had incredible results with people. If you just read. The reviews on Amazon, there's like 2,000 five-star reviews. And people say, I saw this book in my chiropractor's office. I can't believe they didn't tell me to read it. Or people say, just because I read this book, my back pain's gone. Mm. So it's I will amazing. put that on our Kindles yeah. right away. Yeah. And then That's- hypnosis and tapping would be perfect uh, complement to that, to what you read in that book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's segue into your uh, interest and your work in past life hypnotherapy and your study of between lives therapy. Yeah. Um, what's the difference between a past life and a life between lives? And let's talk about what you do. A past life, most people are familiar with. That's where we use this word. I don't like regression because it sounds like you're, you know, kind of going backwards instead of going, you know, evolving. It's like devolving. But basically, we go back in time 
and examine one or more past lives that may have been who you were in another time, another experience of yourself, another, um, I think of it like as a different refraction of your soul energy, maybe a different gender, maybe a different race. It's very interesting to experience yourself as something really different. Not always, sometimes we're quite similar, but most people are familiar with the past life. Now, in my practice, I take people through the death in a past life and we spend a little bit of time after the person leaves the body to kind of reflect and review on the past life that we just looked at and how what was learned in that past life <clears throat> applies to your life today. So without we can um, see the themes and vari variations <clears throat> and how you've maybe improved or need to, you know, not do the same pattern again. And that's a past life session. In a life between life session, we do two separate things that are different. For one thing, we take a look at what you were aware of as a soul. I call this in utero piece where we look at you. No, we don't go through the birth, but we look at what you were aware of as a soul just before you came into your life in this lifetime. And there are some really interesting things that we can learn there. Why you chose this gender, why you chose this family, why you chose this time in history or this place to be born. And, it, and, and also, what are you here to learn? And what are the gifts that you're bringing? Because we all have gifts and talents that will be touching the lives of the other people we interact with. And that's a very fruitful place to explore. So we learn a lot right there. Now, sometimes people go right back because you're coming from the spirit world, let's call it the spirit world, into a human existence, into a physical life. So sometimes people go for in utero back to where they were before. But more often, we go through an abbreviated past life session as part, of the, as part of the life between life session. We look at two or three scenes from that life and then go through the death and then just keep on going. So in a life between life session, we spend a little bit of time on the past life, but the rest of the session is about what happens in between lives. And the kinds of things that happen there is that we can meet our soul group. We can find out what our soul group has in common, what kind of qualities souls have personalities and tell and kind of, you know, some souls are some soul groups are like scholarly and studying and learning and others are funny and, and light spirited, you know, it's very interesting. And so we kind of tend to hang out in a soul group that's almost like a family between six and maybe a dozen um, souls that we reincarnate with over and over again. So people say, you know, I wonder if someone's some, that person is someone from my past life. The answer is yes. <laughs> Most of us are interacting. It's like a repertory theater, you know, and someone that could have been a very important person in a past life may not be someone that's very important in your life today, but you're still connected, right? <laughs> I can give you an example. A woman who went to a past life where she was exceedingly happily married and had a wonderful experience of, of remembering this wonderful life and the man she was really in love with. And I, I asked her, which I often do, do you recognize this person's soul as anyone in your life today? And she kind of smiled and laughed and said, yes, he was my college boyfriend's roommate and we hated each other. <laughs> <laughs> but she knew it was that person. That soul. In the... In the not in her conscious life, not consciously, mm. but mm. in the in the in the past life regression, she recognized who it was. Now we don't always recognize people. I've never been able to recognize anyone in one of my past life sessions, but my clients do it all the time. <laughs> so 
she recognized that. And you see what they did, this is my scenario. I, she didn't say this, but I'm just giving this as an example. She had had extremely wonderful lifetime with that guy when he was a male and she was a female in a previous life. In this life, they're coming in and the person that they both have a soul agreement with who's also in their soul group is the college sweetheart who's also the college roommate. So they're going to run into each other because they both have jobs to do and roles to play for that guy, right? Oh. So they're not, no, they're going to encounter each other and they know they were really happy in a past life. But in this life, they have other people they're going to be with, right? So they go together. I see them sort of talking to each other before they're going to come into their current lives and say, okay, I want to be sure that I don't get attracted to you. So will you do some things that are going to really irritate me? <laughs> Deal, got it. Okay. So we're going to see each other, but we're going to be like oil and water in this lifetime. We're not going to get together because I'll see you another lifetime and we'll have another one where we can get together. But this time we're not going to be friendly. And so it can be really interesting to see these people uh, who have sometimes, this has happened too, where people realize that the person who'd been their nemesis in a life, in this life, is actually someone in their soul group who loved them so much, they took on that role to betray them because that was the turning point that would set them on their true path in this lifetime. So it's that we don't get that kind of information if you come in too early in life, but let's say that you're in the, your fourth or fifth decade and you can have some perspective on it. It's something that happened when you were 20. You can realize, oh my gosh, I can see now why that happened and why that person, and you can actually be, feel thankful to the person who did that thing to you when you see the soul perspective. That's what I feel the Life Between Lives session is so helpful for to kind of get the, the picture of why things are happening, even though on, a, on, an, on our personal level, we're resisting them. So, fascinating. Yeah, it is yeah. fascinating. Totally fascinating. Yeah. And is there a history? Are there histories that people can read up on past life and hypnotherapy yes. or myths behind it or anything well, like that? Well, the two books that I would recommend if people are interested in these things, and there are a lot of books about hypnosis and NLP. You can just go on Amazon and search for those. But the, the two books that I recommend if you're interested in past life, the best one to start with is Many Lives, Many Masters by Brian Weiss, who's a psychiatrist. It's a rather short book and easy to get through. I don't want to spoil it, but there's a reason for the title that's kind of a surprise. And you should know that Brian Weiss is a psychiatrist. That means he's an MD. He was the chief of staff at a very prominent hospital. He was trained at Yale. And it took him five years to get the courage to actually publish this book because his experience of discovering past lives was an accident. He was not, had, did not have a belief system. He was helping a patient of his who had a, a number of really debilitating uh, phobias and he wanted to find out what the earliest incidents was thinking it was in this lifetime and she went back to she was afraid of drowning and she went back to a time when she was with villagers and a tidal wave came and swept everyone out to sea mm. but it wasn't in this lifetime and he didn't know what to do with that but it worked she her phobia went away so that's the story of her, his working with this one patient and where that all led to. And there's some really, it's a very fascinating book. Everyone who reads it loves it. It's like, even if you don't believe it, it's a fascinating book. But he's, 
he's an extremely critical, credible person. He, he went into it without a belief system. He wasn't trying to prove it. In fact, he was trying to disprove it. And even after he realized the enormity of what he discovered, he still took five years to get up the, the courage because he didn't want to ruin his career, you know? So he's gone on to write many books and this is now what he talks about a lot. The other book that I would recommend on Life Between Lives is by my mentor, um, Michael Newton, who's a PhD psychologist, extremely similar to Brian Weiss. Had no belief in past life. He did have hypnosis as a tool in his toolbox. And he hypnotized a young man who uh, he, again, going back to the earliest incident and the guy was going, went back to being in, uh, on the battlefield in France in World War II, who remembered his name, rank and serial number and the date and the name of the place where they were. And he was a young man with no not conscious knowledge of World War II history, but Michael Newton was, he's my mom's generation. He would have been in his nineties now. He died a few years ago. He was a World War II buff and he looked it up and found out that yes, a man with that name, rank and serial number was in France on the battlefield and died that day on that date in, in that place. Which That's got chilling. His, exactly, which got his, got his attention. I want to let whoever's listening to this know that that's extremely rare. We don't get the name, rank, and serial number. We love it when that happens. But most of the time, we don't. Most of the time, the information we get is much more personal, vague, and you know, about our inner experiences rather than the outer data. So you know, it's not always that clear. But I think the reason it was so clear is because otherwise, Michael Newton wouldn't have paid attention. <laughs> he would have and what did Michael his Newton his call his book? What's his the title? book is called Journey of Souls. Thank you for reminding me. Journey he wrote of two Souls. books, Journey of Souls and Destiny of Souls that are about his case histories, about life between lives work. And I think he, I'm not sure if it was that young man, but he took him past the death. Now, people have been doing past life regression for a long time. And the people who have been doing it are, um, have always wanted to know what happened after death. And for all the time that people were trying to get there, it would always go into a gray fog. Like they'd want to go further and like, I don't see anything but a gray fog. But somewhere in the late 80s, early 90s, the fog got lifted. And I, I kind of like to think that, you know, our higher self said, these people need help. <laughs> they need to remember who they really are. Mm. Let's pull, pull back the curtain and let them see and experience who they are and why they're here. So it's not been around that long and there aren't that many people who've been certified to do it. And if people are interested, they should go to the um, Newton Institute. Just Google the Newton Institute and you'll find a, a, a whole list to find a therapist. And the, um, the Newton Institute uh, really does make people uh, go through a, a very big or a rigorous certification process. They have to document several, like I think it's up to 10 different cases and they don't rubber stamp it. Uh, so, and, and people need to look at who, who is their hypnotherapist because I, I think there may be Florida, possibly New York, but most of the states in the United States do not regulate hypnotherapy. Mm. And it's a certification process. Like I'm a certified clinical hypnotherapist by an organ, the training organization, not by the state. And a few years ago, maybe about 10 years ago, California, it's like there's a disclosure statement that California does not regulate hypnotherapy and other alternative things. 
<laughs> you know, there's a lot of things they just didn't want to be in the business of that. And so it's up to the pe person to do due diligence and make sure the person, you know, ask about their experience and make sure that you feel like this is a person you have rapport with, that you feel comfortable with. Yeah. I, everyone I work with, I, I request them to have a half hour conversation with me to make sure we're a good fit for each other. Mm, you know? yeah. And I was recently, I, I know Mary knows this, but I was featured on a television show called, on Netflix called Bling Empire. So I got a lot of people calling me and they just want to book a, sec a session without no questions asked. And they kind of have been impatient with me saying, why do I have to have a conversation with you? It's a free conversation. I don't charge for that. But I want to make sure that this person, that this is the right thing for them, that I'm the right therapist for them, that they're, and I'm not a therapist, I'm not a psychologist. I, I mean, when I say therapist, I mean a hypnotherapist. I'm the right person, and this is the right time, and it's the right thing for them to do. Yeah, so, Linda, that leads right into a question yeah. I have, which is why do people come to you for past life hypnotherapy, and what are they trying to reach, achieve, and what do you try to achieve with that? Yeah. Uh, if you're speaking specifically about past life and, and life between lives work, I know this is going to be a, a little bit strange, but I prefer that people don't, if someone comes to me and says, I've got a problem and I think it's a past life issue and I want to check the past life to find out. I usually say, what's the problem and can we work with it with EFT and regular hypnosis? Because that's usually a more direct solution. The question about is it in the past life is coming from a very popular idea that we have through modern psychology that we have to understand how everything came to be the way it is before we can heal it or change it. Hmm. And sometimes that's true and sometimes it's not. Like I said, we, don't, we can tap on the sensation in the body or we can just, it doesn't really matter where it or, or originated. So I'm not really keen on searching in a past life first for the issue yeah. i had someone yeah. who, who had a, an interesting phobia um she's she has a phobia of fish heads not the whole fish but the heads of fish there's a reason for it she was traumatized as a kid by someone chasing her around with that and we did eft and hypnosis but and maybe she didn't but if you didn't have anything like that in your current life you might think well maybe something happened to me in a past life that created this. Uh -huh. But you see that the, the treatment would still be the same. I'd still do EFT and hypnosis to shift it, right? <laughs> but it doesn't matter really as much. I know this is flying in the face of some modern psychological theory. We don't always have to know what the source of the trauma is in order to shift the pattern. Sometimes we do and sometimes we don't. Perfect. So what I'm... A lot of people who contact me have been in therapy a long time and they said, I just still can't change it. And so can you help me? And often I can't very, very often in one session. I don't promise that. I'm just saying that I have a slightly different approach that can complement the work you've already done in therapy. And what I feel therapy is so important for is especially if we've had traumatic experiences as a child that were never witnessed, never processed, where you didn't have anyone you could talk to about it. It's so important to have a neutral person who's trained to, to listen to your story and to hold space for you to, uh, to have that be processed and witnessed. Or if you're going through a really bad divorce and or, you know, or making a big decision in your life, 
and all of your friends and family have opinions about it and you want to go to a nice neutral place where you can sort out your own feelings with someone who's not going to doesn't have any stake in what your choice is who's trying to make you help you make your own choice and so i think that therapy is really good for that but with people who i i mean i've had phd psychologists who've been in therapy for 12 years who know all the reasons why they have the problems and that but yet they can't quite shift then they come to someone like me and in one or two sessions they actually get results so they have the insight and the, the, the transformation. And yes, do we have aha moments and things shift? Yes, but not as often as we would wish. And sometimes it helps to, to try this other side of it. If, if, you're, if you're not having results, then you can, can uh, try something a little bit different. Our guest today on Late Boomers has been holistic coach, Linda Gabriel, author, therapist, certified clinical hypnotherapist and past life hypnotherapy. And Linda can be found on lindagabriel.com and on YouTube at Thought Medicine, where there are hypnotherapy recordings that you can listen to for free. Thank you so much, Linda, today. It's yes. been my pleasure. Thank you for asking me. Thank you, Linda. for joining us on Late Boomers, the podcast that is your guide to creating a third act with style, power, and impact. Please visit our website and get in touch with us at lateboomers.biz. If you would like to listen to or download other episodes of Late Boomers, go to ewnpodcastnetwork.com. This podcast is also available on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and most other major podcast sites. We hope you make use of the wisdom you've gained here and that you enjoy a successful third act with your own style, power, and impact. Have you ever asked yourself this question, why is it so hard to make a buck? <laughs> I know I have. Hi, I'm Sandra Yancey, founder and CEO of eWomen Network. What I have discovered after going from the brink of bankruptcy to running a multi-million dollar award-winning business is this. You can't build a million dollar dream hanging around minimum wage mindsets. My mission is one million women entrepreneurs generating one million dollars in annual revenue. So here's what I've done. I've created the mother of all entrepreneur success programs that you can access online on your time. It's called Monetize Me Now. It's a seven module online course that is 100% my success formula, covering mindset, mission, management, motivation, marketing, and measure. Come on, take my hand and I'll show you the way to learn to earn flowing revenue for your business. Visit monetizemenow.com for details. Calling all speakers, eWomen Network has speaking engagements all over North America that must be filled. Are you a gifted messenger, author, expert, or successful entrepreneur that can help women entrepreneurs grow their businesses? Our mission is to help one million fulfilled women each achieve one million dollars in annual revenue. If you're a speaker that can help women prosper, go to eWomenNetwork.com and sign up as a pro member of our Speakers Network.
That's eWomenNetwork.com. Thanks for listening. This is the EWN Podcast Network.